right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in the fourth episode of the Good Folks podcast. And uh, we got a very interesting guest. He's actually one of the most, he's the nicest person ever that ever met. And wait a minute before you say anything. I'm not kissing your ass or anything. I'm just saying the truth because that's not something that, that I'm, I'm the only one who said, but also people who went through the experience. You were someone who took in charge uh, like a cultural uh, cultural programs at the US Embassy and you helped many people to go uh, through experience of educational programs abroad. Welcome for our to our podcast Hamdi. Thank you so much Ray. Um, very happy and honored to be here. Uh, you know to be honest those educational programs a lot of people don't know about them. A lot of people think that they can go to study in the US only when they pay. They don't know that there are some opportunities out there actually for free. All you need to do is to find application online, you know, spend some efforts writing it and uh, boom, you, you, you're, you're there. Um, so do you know why many, not many people know about those opportunities? Like what's, uh, what's the problem? So um, let me give you a couple of um, reasons that I do believe personally, okay? Mm. So um, that's, that's about what I think. Uh, I think first of all, there is a, uh, a promotion problem. Uh, I think a lot of programs, and not just the US Embassy that worked on, um, there are yeah. many others, uh, and I'm sure you know a few. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a promotion, a promotion issue. Uh, it's not promoted maybe properly, or it's not promoted or targeted by the audience as it should be. And um, the second thing is that I think the youth, and starting by myself, I'm not youth anymore, I'm 37, but um, oh, I used to be young, young, man. Thank you, but I used to be young and think that it was impossible. That everything is impossible, it's too good for me, it's not going to happen, and um, it, was, it was not something for me, you know? So um, I think there is, and Often, when I have uh, when I have the chance to talk to young people <coughs> about this, I tell them, "You never know. You never know. Um, all you need to do is to try, and go uh, and go like um, as far as you can, and you will see. Like you only can do what you can, right? So uh, that's why it's always uh, worth it to try. I think." When you said that some many people think that um, it's do, too good for me, do you think that we have a, a crisis of self-esteem where we think that we don't deserve those opportunities? This I used to. I don't know if it's the case of a lot of people, but I used to. And um, I talked to a few people that they were thinking that, um, and you can even see on Facebook um, sometimes when um, institutions or entities are posting stuff, uh, you see in the comments people saying, well, it's for your friends, it's for your family, yeah. you will send uh, kids of powerful people, blah, 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 it's not for us, mm -hmm. um, versus the reality is those, uh, those exchanges are actually designed for underserved communities, for people who do not have access to, um, who do not have access to such an opportunity if it's not offered by X um, or Y entity, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of those uh, opportunities or some programs, they actually oblige people uh, that they only apply if they didn't benefit from something relevant, like similar, mm -hmm. like that before. Like for example, in mm -hmm. Berlitz School, in the program of the uh, English, they say that you can only uh, like, take advantage of this program if you... Once. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. once and if you didn't travel before. Which makes sense, which makes sense, Wade, because, uh, and that was one of my, that was one of my, um, how can I say, like one of my personal policies is that um, no travel experience or very limited travel experience to, uh, to be selected or pre-selected. Mm -hmm. And the reason behind it is that we don't want to concentrate all what I call it, uh, the love or all the wealth in one person or in a group of people. Like we need to share the wealth um, as wide as we can. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But that was my former job though. Not <laughs> <anymore>. <laughs> yeah, now you're working for the UN. How, how, is, how does this experience, like how did it shift? How did you decide like to get into the... Oh, it's interesting. Um, so here's the thing. When I started working on the youth portfolio back in 2012, because I joined the embassy in uh, 29 and then moved from a section to another, so I was working on the youth portfolio. I started working on the youth portfolio in uh, 2012. And right when I started, I was thinking of uh, my next career plan, like what is my next adventure? And um, I was thinking that I think if I will leave my current job, it would be for the UN or nothing else, you know? Because first, I'm not, I'm not someone who would work for corporate. Um, I don't think I'm interested in making rich people more rich. <laughs> and um, that's one. And second, I like, you know, the organizational, NGO, um, government environment, you Maybe know? it's because of value. You feel that your work has a value. You're making actually impact. Maybe, maybe, could be, could be, um, could be that. So uh, yes, I decided in, 20, in 2012, I wanted to go to the UN, but it never happened before 2019. What I got, um, what I got an interview with the um, with IOM, the International uh, Organization for Migration, mm -hmm. and um, I worked for them on a project uh, that was really really cool. Um, it was about uh, building um, government uh, officials' capacities in um, health borders control, and that was amazing. But um, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, depends for who, uh, I had uh, the opportunity to apply to work on innovation with another agency, uh, which is UNDP, which is uh, close to, uh, which is close to uh, what I was doing before, like uh, working with entrepreneurs, working with um, youth, with solutions holders, and um, that's why, I mean, that's how I shifted, and now I'm, I'm working into innovation. Is it like very different word? Like environmental um, environment is not that different because uh, because the international organizations or um, foreign entities are pretty much working on the same um, on the same uh, model if I may say mm -hmm. but also it's due to globalization uh, that we have like uh, global standards <coughs> of work it's not different um, it's a little, um, I would say, it's slightly different in the audience I'm working with, you know? So I was, I, I used to work with um, really, um, really passionate and sometimes little kids, if I may say, you know? Mm -hmm. And interview them and go through the whole process that you know. 
and now I'm working with more structured people that they have their own projects, they have business models, they know what they want, they know uh, what they are, um, where they are going. You so know that's what I mean? like graduate, graduates. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's more, it's more um, like it's more maybe if I may say tailored um, audience. You know. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's not broader like a broader as it used to be. It's like a little precise, which is which is good, though. Yeah, probably the young people that you used to work with and select were just young people who are still trying to find themselves, discover who they are. Totally, that's exactly. You know, but what now I meant. people you work with, like they already know what they want, and you're yes. there like to help them. Yes, and that. they know exactly where they want your help, like when where they want you to, uh, where they want you to. Uh, to bring something like they know exactly where, mm -hmm. you know. So tell us what what exactly are you working on right now for the like the UN immigration? immigration? So now uh, now I'm working on a couple of projects. Um, uh, I, like my official title is head of solutions mapping, mm -hmm. and uh, the solutions mapping is once we identify an issue. Okay. My work is to identify solutions around it. So uh, the solutions might be uh, might be uh, chased like through hackathons or through just uh, call for application. I mean, call for projects and hackathon. Stuff. Like you organize them? Or? We do organize them. Yeah, yeah. We do organize hackathons and um, and uh, we get those solutions. Um, those solutions to. Uh, to it's whether whether to uh, work with them directly or to actually give them a direction on where to go. All right. Yeah, yeah that sounds very interesting. Yeah. Is that all the hackathons uh, like oriented or we just had youth? one. We just had one. For instance, it was about COVID. That's the only one. Okay, well, I saw one with uh, about technology and entrepreneurship. I guess. Yeah. Digital solutions. Digital solution. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, that took. Place in Algeria. Do you, by, by the way, do you, are you only active in Algiers, or do you organize like a couple of? Uh, it's it's nationwide. Um, our work is nationwide. It's not targeted. Um, it's not targeted in one um, in one area. No. Yeah, because yeah. you know it's actually worldwide. Uh, but we do work with the Algerians wherever they are in Algeria directly. But we belong to a network of um, we belong to a network of accelerators. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with that uh, because I work in an accelerator lab. It's called Accelerator mm -hmm. Lab. So uh, it's a network. It's a big network of sixty labs, I believe, um, up to grow maybe to ninety three very soon. Like they're adding more countries. All right. Can you like uh, give us like a brief explanation what an accelerator accelerator lab is? So the accelerator lab is um, a learning um, it's a learning place. Okay. Where we uh, actually then our network is called um, our network is called uh, the largest uh, learning network, and the goal is to learn what works and what doesn't work. So that's uh, that's like the big line. Um, we address, we identify an issue, <coughs> sorry, we identify an issue through sense making. Okay. And then we do solutions mapping, we pre-select solutions, we conduct experimentations, we experiment it, and uh, that's out of the experimentation we will whether learn it's going to work or not. So it's the, the problem, the issue has to be, is it like a social issue or? I mean, our top priority is uh, social and environment. Okay. But could be anything else. Social and environment like, uh, for example, plastic. Uh, yes. 
Yes, uh, waste management. Actually, that was our first. Um, that was our first issue we worked on. Is um, it was waste management and then COVID right after COVID. So now we're still working on COVID. Yeah, and then when you suggest a solution, is it uh, when you suggest, like for example, a plan? Okay, mm -hmm. and the, you say we experimented. Mm -hmm. Is it like the entity of the UN migration mm -hmm. who experimented, or no, you? UNDP. 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 Yeah. Okay. Because that was my first job, IOM, uh, the International Organization for Migration. Okay. Yeah. That was my first job, and then I left it to oh, go okay. to innovation. Were, oh, it's right. another agency. It's a complete. Okay, I thought it's the same, just no. different sector. It's the same. It's actually the same. Um, the same entity, which is the UN, but I was in migration and then moved to development slash innovation. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So regarding like the, the plastic issue, I don't know, but this this. It, it's a huge problem. It's spoken about all over the world, but in Algeria, it seems that people don't really give uh, a damn or just give it much importance. You see, people like throwing trash everywhere, like plastic is everywhere. And you tell them, uh, they tell you that you, we can just burn them. You just burn them, and it's going to disappear. But I'm not sure if that's if yeah. That but I've got good news for you. Um, okay. It started changing because um, because we like it or not, this was not like recycling. We're not used to recycle. Yeah, we're not used to recycle. Yeah, and then um, it's starting, and I know a bunch of good people that they are um, working, such working on yeah, working on recycling. Um, they're um, they're doing great job, uh, but um, we're gonna start somewhere, you know, because mm -hmm. what you see abroad now for um, what you see abroad for started instance, from scratch. So, thank so, you. So, sometime. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Yeah, you just need to expand the work. Maybe when it succeeds in one place, it will just from different from neighborhood to another, than uh, from totally. wilaya to another. Totally. Yeah. Did you see mm -hmm. the uh, those machines that exist, like in uh, like different European countries, where people just bring those plastic balls, mm -hmm. you know, and they put them inside the machine? Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if, like, if we had one machine everywhere, like, it would, it would just be amazing. That'd be amazing. Um, I'm gonna talk to you about something that I worked on when I was at the U.S. Embassy. Because um, I had the youth portfolio, but I also had documentary and cinema portfolio as mm -hmm. well. So I was working um, in parallel on that. And um, in one of the programs that I worked on, I remember we brought um, two folks from New York City. Uh, they have a community channel, and um, I think it's called DCTV. You can Google it, uh, DCTV. So uh, they're based in Chinatown in New York, and um, we brought them for their um, documentary called Redemption. And Redemption is the story of this huge underground community, mm -hmm. uh, mostly homeless people, that live out of um, recycling. So they spend their day collecting you know, bottles and cans and everything else in the city in Manhattan, and then they redeem them in those machines every night and and you see how they are structured and what's their life and um it's a very interesting documentary i remember uh we screened it do they do that as volunteers or it's, it's uh, no these are homeless people like it's their um it's their uh it's their resource like oh, so resource of living so that's how they make the revenues when yes. they put them in the machine gives them yes. money and uh, yeah that's how they live yeah I think that's a really good way of inspiring people to do good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, like you just collect the balls and then you get something in yeah. return. Yeah. You know, like instead of paying people, instead of paying people, uh, just you hire people, mm. you know, to go and clean all that, why do you not provide a machine and everyone can 
it's like it's a it's, it becomes a competition. Like yeah. Who's gonna gather more balls and put them in? Who's gonna get a lot of money as well? Exactly. It's um because I think that's how the human being is. Like you need motivation. motivation. You need um incentive. What are you getting out of what you're doing? Okay, you can volunteer sometimes because you have principles and you think um, it's self-rewarding and stuff, but you cannot do it every day. Definitely, like, not for all your life, you need money to You need something back. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think it's a very interesting thing to do here. And money is always the top driving motivation. Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah, but do you, do you consider that very highly when you change from one work to another? Or is it also about Can you say again? Do you c consider the, the salary mm -hmm. uh, the, as the top important one when you change from one work to another? Not the top okay. one, but probably the second one. Yeah. But not the top one because, um, because like, what's the point of getting a job very highly paid, but you know that you will lose whether um, your health or um, your well-being in six months. It's not worth it, right? When you say well-being, well-being like the work environment, um, how close is it to your house? Do you have a parking space? Like simple things. Do you have parking space where to park? Um, how are the colleagues? How yeah, is the work culture? Friendly? You know, how is the work culture? Um, is it? Um, are you happy in the morning when you wake up to go to work? You know, those mm. things I think are number one, and then number two, salary, obviously, for sure. I mean. I have to work. Yeah, that's <laughs> very important. That's uh, that's very interesting, especially like the work environment. Like mm. especially uh, your colleagues, how if they are nice, can you communicate with them? You know, do they? Do you have like this uh, kind of drama going on and stories and everyone yeah. slandering each other? You know, behind their backs and no. like damn. And then you sometimes they just you you're so you're waiting for the time of the day. Like you just wait for. Like for example, if you finish work at 4 p.m., you're just waiting for that 4 p.m. to come so that you can go home and yeah. relax because you're like, ah, yeah. ah. It's pretty much everywhere though. It's pretty much everywhere. Like uh, there is no perfect environment, I believe. Like nowhere. Really? Nowhere. Perfect environment? No. People associate, so sometimes people associate that with being an Algerian. Like they go to an Algerian company and they're like, it's just an Algerian. I think we do blame the Algerians for so many things mm -hmm. that are simply human. Th yeah, that's it's a really good point. Exactly. That's simply human. Because most of the time you say, yeah, the Algerians are like this, the Algerians blah, 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 blah. But the Europeans can be like that if it's not the law and the system. Mm -hmm. And if, it's, if there is no structure behind it, they would be even wilder, I can tell you. Like, um, it's not about, like, I used to be like that. I used to be a person that think, yeah, the Algerians, blah, 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 we're not, you know, doing things right, and I don't know. But with time and with travel and also with, um, and also with um, like growing my network and meeting other people from around the world, we're all pretty much the same. It's just a matter of um, structure, which system is behind you and how is it um, organized, you know? But that's it. Yeah. I remember like someone from like a fr I had a I have a friend from France like mm -hmm. recently uh, she's an Algerian and she said that like people in Europe and in the Algeria they're just the same when it comes to COVID nineteen you know there are not like strict measures they're not gonna wear the mask because it's human yeah. because yeah. it's human so 
Yeah, because like people here were always referring to people who are just uh, messed up and um, not caring about COVID-19. They say like it's look, they are Algerians. They need to be hit. They need to be hit with a stick. And you need I to hate it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of um, that line of thinking. Of this theory that you need to hit people. You don't need to hit people. Like you just need um, educate them. Educate, but also motivate them. I mean, more importantly, lead them to where you want them to go. It's not. It's not about. Um, it's not about hating people. Like it doesn't make any sense, at least to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should start with ca caring more about the education and uh, the next generation. You know, instead of looking at all the the thugs who are in their twenties and be like, you know, like there is no hope for the country because there are many people like those who are trying to get you to pay because you parked your car somewhere where, you know, we're like like they, it's not parking or any, anything and you gotta find the guy, the dude coming from your window. Or like I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Most of the time. Like, I don't know if, it's not, it's not a question of 50 or 100 bucks. It's a question of principles like, who are you? And to charge me for something. To charge me for something that does not even belong to you. You know, it's like the public area is like for all of us. So why would I pay you for this? I totally hate it. Even in my neighborhood, like it happens in my actually neighborhood when I totally hate it. <laughs> yeah, what do you usually so do? Well, they usually let me park because I live there. I mean, I've been living there since 1983. So wow. since I was born, <laughs> and um, I think I think they have to deal with it. I live there. Sometimes I avoid like um, those interactions because I don't have time or because I don't want to get into drama. So I go to park somewhere else. But sometimes I do park. I just park and that's it. Yeah, when when you see your neighbor, so people already know you. But when you're like in mm -hmm. some strange place, then you have to to decide between you know like. It, Sometimes you just don't want to fight. You want to be in a good mood. You know, you want to have a peaceful day. Like, like just please go away. <laughs> you know, and so, like that's probably what drives some people like to just pay, even th even though they know that it's unfair. But just go away. You know. Yeah. Um, what I always what I always try to tell those people is that like if you're going to charge me to park the the, the, the car here in a public space, why? I'm supposed probably to just come and charge people just and work in the same place. Like, hey, why does this place belong to you? Mm. Like, if the it's just a weird environment. Yeah, but anyway, so concerning when we talked about the comments that uh, people get when they get selected for programs for free mm. or something, when people are hostile to them, do you also find those comments where they say that like the only people who benefit from those opportunities happen to be living in Algiers or you're only active in Algiers? What about the other wilayas? You don't care about them. You, you definitely uh, travel to many wilayas before, even those places that are very poor. Isolated, yeah. Yeah. Did that like change the way you see Algeria before you travel? Oh, of course, of course, definitely. Um, what I always say uh, when it comes to this, I always start with um, Algiers is not Algeria, because a lot of people think that Algiers is Algeria or Algeria is like Algiers. This is definitely not. Um, the environments are um, very different. Uh, people are living in other conditions. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's their environment most of the time. 
it's their environment. Uh, like uh, they were grew there. Um, I mean, they grew up there and they were born there. But um, other wilayas are definitely different. Um, when you say different environment, mm -hmm. is it like social one or economical one or? I mean, culturally, traditionally, economically, um, the regions rise. Uh, there is no like, uh, but also I think in Algeria we have pretty much everything concentrated in big cities. You know, mm -hmm. um, like Algiers, Constantine, Hanaba, uh, those places, Sitif. So, um, so that's why I'm telling you. Um, that's why I'm telling you. It's it's very different. Um, what I can say is that we have a very, very, very beautiful country, um, a huge potential, and um, unfortunately, for instance, this year, my uh, my bucket list was I go to visit all the places that I didn't see yet in Algeria. You know, like go to. Uh, Go to Rufi. Go to. Where is um, located? Rufi is a little bit, um, a little bit further Biskra. Um, okay. It's between Batna and Biskra. Very beautiful region. Uh, going to different hammams, you know, hammams Khotin and those, um, mm. those very famous hammams. Um, I wanted to go to um, again to Askram, you know, to uh, Tamar Rasset and climb the Askram. Uh, I wanted to see all those places. Um, in 2020, I said um, that's gonna be my um, that's gonna be my uh, my year. But unfortunately, you know, uh, the circumstances um, are different now with COVID and um, with different measures and stuff. So I didn't do it, but um, I'm still willing to do it because um, it would be unfortunate if maybe tomorrow it's gonna be like maybe tomorrow we become a massive touristic area mm -hmm. and then it's gonna be super crowded and you you know like one cannot go and visit what was um if i may say across the street before you know yeah so that was my projects uh my project for 2020 but unfortunately i mean it's just delayed it's um, gonna take place next year this is delayed right yeah uh other places maybe other places um i can visit other places after summer like uh, busada for instance or um go back to the desert somewhere else i've never been to timimon for um for instance so um th i want to visit timimon as well i don't know much about busada but i got this friend who once told me that there are like job business that is very is, is a thin oh yeah yeah it's like a lot of young people that are jo jobless and it's just very Impressive. Mm. Um, so, how did how did that change? How did that change your like? Did anything change in terms of your perspective, like when you visited like different wilayas, regarding how you talk to people, how you treat people, how you view people from the other other regions? Or actually, I think I think this is I think this is a question of principle. You don't need to uh, travel, or you don't need to uh, see those places. Treat all people the same. The same that's it it comes from you mm -hmm. um you decide to treat people equally or not whether they are from here from um anywhere in the world but uh what actually changed my um what actually changed my perspective or um helped me like strengthen my perspective and be very careful in um addressing people and stuff was my work in migration that was um, that was very that was a very important. It was 
it was like a um, paradigm shift, you know? You know, with migration, <laughs> you, also you also deal with people outside from Algeria, right? Most of the time, people outside of Algeria. So people from Mali and yes. the ones who are Sub-Saharian, mostly here. Sub-Saharians, yeah. All right. Yeah, mostly Sub-Saharians. So yeah, that changed my perspective because um, I went and I digged into a community that I did not know before, you know? That has been through a lot and has been through crazy um, adventures to make it that far. So to make it to Algeria. I mean, eventually to Europe because Algeria is most of the time not a destination. Yeah, it's just a bridge. Yeah, yeah. most of the time it's just not a destination. How did so. they make it to Europe? Like so through the sea? So they want to come to Algeria and they go through the sea? I mean, I'm not sure I can tell you okay. because... <laughs> because <laughs> you don't have the authorization? Yeah. No, right. no, 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 because that was part of my previous job confidentiality, okay. but, um, but yeah. All right. I'm sure that they, g- they go through like a very crazy situations. Like it's very hard for them. It's very hard for them, yeah. Are they like, m- are like most of them people coming from uh, places of war or uh, it's only like bad, poor uh, conditions, living conditions? No. No. N- I mean, probably living conditions. Like you, you travel for a reason, I think. So probably they're living conditions. But um, I don't think that much like from war zones and stuff. There are some like um, the, big, the big wars, crises, um, like Syria, Yemen. Um, there are some, but um, not most of them. No, I think it's more of um, it's more of chasing a dream, you know. Yeah. Did you hear about the people from Algeria, the four hundred who, who who reached Spain all in one day? I did uh, over the press. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. It's uh, you know, people k- like keep trying to explain like what's the problem? Why like why do young people like want? to take that risk because mm-hmm. there is great possibility that you might die, you know, in the sea. But they're so willing to take that risk. Mm. Um, and I know people, like I know people from my neighborhood who also want to do that. But the problem is that their living conditions aren't like, like so bad, you know. There is some room where they can do something. But they are so influenced um, that Algeria sucks and you're not gonna do anything here regardless of how much you put efforts. Mm. And so they want to cross the sea um, any means possible. I'm really not sure if you have conversation with young people like that and you try to tell them like, you know, and... Uh, I did, I did. Um, I think we had the conversation with, um, do you know that page, Real Algerians? Yeah. Um, so I had the conversation with the Real Algerians and um, we had a long, um, like several minutes conversation um, about this. Is it like a live video? It was a live on Instagram, yeah. Okay. It was a live on Instagram and they made um, a blog out of it. Uh, that's what they do. Um, you know, I think the main reason, at least to me, and again, that's my personal perspective as a person, I think that the main reason is that they really do not know what's waiting for them once they reach Europe or or once they reach the United States or once they reach any place they want to go to. Um, They actually have a wrong slash, um, a wrong slash, um, uh, maybe promotional image 
of those places through what they see or uh, through what they see on um, social media or stuff, but they don't know how hard life is in those places. But sometimes they talk to people, you know, sometimes you find those people are doing live videos, Facebook live videos, uh, like in Europe and mm. saying like, look, here everything is beautiful, mm. everything, everyone minds their own business, I'm living a great life, mm. and I hope everyone who's there in Algeria can come, you know? And so probably those young people Maybe they get their information from those people who are already there. True. Like not necessarily from movies. And True. True, correct. But um, I, think, I think what is happening and what's going to happen when you change a country is actually you are going to just change problems. You're going to change That's problems. You're going to change problems from the problems that you used to have here you don't have them there because it's a different culture, mm -hmm. uh, different, uh, different religions, uh, different beliefs, uh, different, uh, different, uh, I mean, say ethnicities. You know, so you won't necessarily find the problems you have here there, but you will definitely find other problems that you don't, you didn't used to have uh, back home. So, uh, for instance, when I have. I remember I had conversation. I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine. Um, he's in the U.S., married to a Nigerian. He's American, and we had a very good conversation about um, about like my life, um, where I grew up, what did I study, you know, things like that. And when I told him that I studied for free, the guy literally. I mean, if there is a word more than jealous. <laughs> He literally wanted to hit me up. He's <laughs> like, wait, what? You studied for free? And I'm like, yes, I studied for free. I graduated and I work with my, um, with my um, diploma and, um, for free. And I was treated for free, even if it was not the best medicine in the world. But we have very good doctors, even if we have weaknesses just like everywhere else. We have very good doctors and they have been treating me for free despite all the challenges and we don't see this until we go to countries where you need 400 500 dollars to see a doctor and you'll be like oh shoot i used to have this for free just drive my car park and go and see the doctor and i was not happy about it you know so that's why um that's why there are things that we don't see until we lose because we think it's granted you know like studying for free um, going to hospitals for free, and um, also a um, few other things. Like yeah, but people say that quality is bad. That's true, that's true. But are these people ready to pay that money for the high quality? Because what the other people are getting as for high quality, they're paying a lot of money for it. And they're working more in the... Of obviously, obviously. Like here in Algeria, you cannot die out of hunger. I, I've never seen someone dying out of hunger, correct? Have you seen someone dying out of, like you go everywhere, ev anywhere, any door, you'll be like, I don't have what to eat. I bet you they will give you to eat. But or I think that people are not dying from hunger like everywhere, except like it's very, very, like. Mm. Depends. Like in many Western countries, they have the welfare programs where people can apply. They do, they do. But uh, what I'm saying, like dying out of hunger is you need to work very hard to have that standard of life. 
like it's whether it's whether you have two or three jobs or whether you have a super degree and um, diploma and you work and you have a super salary that's what I think again like it's my own perspective out of my own experience yeah that's that's understood are you against privatizing like education and uh, healthcare don't you think it um, I think I think we should have both. I think we should have both. The public one and the private yeah, one. Yeah. I think we should have both and we should have the choice. Because uh, there always be there always be differences in the population, right? Mm, uh, especially classes. Always. That's how that's how the word um, is, like it's the reality. So um, I think we should have the choice. But what I think though and what I'm against actually is those people who have the means to go and pay for what they are getting, but they get it for free, you know? Like if you have the means to go and pay for a doctor, like I'm, I'm up for a system where someone, someone who has the means, they pay for what they got. Someone who, have, who hasn't like uh, what to, um, money to to pay for whatever they get it for free or for like a real symbolic you know uh, symbolic price that's that's how I see it I think if you earn money you need to um, like you need to be responsible for yourself and, and pay for um, what you are getting and if someone hasn't then they don't have to pay for it yeah that's understood I think that uh, also I think that m many Algerians like who go to live abroad in Western countries, like they don't talk to young people about all of that. Like they tell them probably only about the good side. And when they tell them about the bad side, they're not actually telling them about the bad side. They just don't want them to come, you know? Mm. Um, and so like it, there are a few people who, all, who really tell you about what the, the reality of things, like, like what really exists. Um, the reason I said that you're like one of the uh, nicest people ever uh. is because when you were like when you were uh, in charge of those like educational programs at the U.S. Embassy, um, you know when you have no idea about those programs at the U.S. Embassy, like you never went there and you go there for the first time, um, like you're just expecting different environment, different people, different class of people that you never you know saw before, like diplomats, and so you're just confused, like and you're just worried about like who's going to interview me, where where the hell am I going, what's what's this place, you know? Like because it's like a very different environment and you're like and and so some some people uh, they just lose confidence. They just hesitate, they just lose themselves. They don't even when they know how to speak English, you find them uh, just not knowing how to phrase words, how to uh, come up with like a just a simple sentence. And you are always there to facilitate the process and uh, to make the person feel comfortable and that like, no, don't worry, like everything is okay. And I noticed that in my interview mm -hmm. and uh, I met also other people who all, always say that like that guy is like really nice. And oh. when I met them, like I felt uh, more comfortable. And I think, I don't know what you think about that, but, but probably it also happens with people who come from different wilayas. Mm. Like they're from the south, they come all the way to Algiers, they're gonna be very stressed. Mm. And uh, I don't know what you can tell us, tell, that, tell us about that, the experience that you had. It's, um, it's very interesting. Um, I remember 
that uh, myself, I'm like that. Like, I mean, when I'm when I'm up for an interview, when I'm up for an important meeting, when I'm up for um, anything important to me, I'm stressed. And most of the time, I wish there is someone who's gonna tell me, don't worry, it's gonna be fine. And here's the thing, and it's a very simple thing, and you know, like kind of, um, kind of help you get your um, self together, you know, instead of being um, all over the place. So that's why I was doing it. Um, I was doing it in purpose, actually, uh, talking to people and make them comfortable so that we get the best of them. Because when you get someone stressed, when you get someone freaking out, mm -hmm. uh, you will not see you will not see what they got inside most of the time, you know. So uh, that's why, like, uh, but also in the meantime, it was not in the meantime. It was not that um, it was not that um, complicated and that super importantly huge like to pay attention to every detail, you know what I mean? Like just relax and go for it. You know, I want, I always wanted them to go in that mood, um, relax and go for it. And whatever happens, it's fine. You already won, like you're already here, you know? So that's already a win, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, you've done many present several, like several presentations, telling mm -hmm. people how to apply for an opportunity. Do you yes. usually tell them about that? Like how to do a good interview? Yes. Yes, um, I can share with you uh, the slides if you want. Yeah, um, sure. It's actually on my LinkedIn profile. If you go uh, scroll down to my volunteering experience, you will see um, you will see uh, volunteer speaker. So Hamdi Slami on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And scroll down to volunteering volunteer speaker, and there is a um, there is a link to that presentation. And it's this presentation has no copyright. Anyone can use it. Anyone can share it. Anyone can use it to present. They do whatever they want with it. And it came um, from your own personal experience. experience yeah. All right. And uh, I've been I've been asked from uh, many groups actually during this um, lockdown, which was great, which was one of the best sides of um, lockdown. Uh, people were asking me to present it and to answer questions and um, things like that and um, I was really really um, I mean I was really impressed first with the questions but also really happy to do it um, so that uh, people can at least benefit from all those years of experience so yeah yeah what are some of the mistakes that people do like in, in an interview so um, in the interviews uh, the frequently um, seen mistakes, if I may call them, the frequently seen mistakes were people um, learning by heart sometimes their essays. Oh my God, and you can, <laughs> and you can actually spot that yeah. <laughs> very quickly. The other big mistake uh, that I've seen few times are the people who let other people writing their essays and you can see it in an interview like um, you can know when a work is coming from someone or not you know like when you talk to the person you can know and how do you usually know you, you ask them about something they wrote in their essay and they don't know what the hell that is because um, not it could be this but not not this precisely at least for me, when I see when I see an essay, so I see how uh, the person is reasoning, you know, how the person mm. is thinking, 
and you can tell if the thinking is the same or if the mindset is the same or if the perspective is the same, you know? Like as an interviewer, you can see this. You can definitely but see you this. You know that some people are good at writing in comparison with speaking. True. So they could be really good writers. They mm -hmm. can use a lot of uh, beautiful, high-frequency words. But when they are in an interview, like just they lose them. It's not about just language. Not just language. Also know? ideas. Yeah, ideas, and uh, also how um, also how it was. Um, I would say how it was produced. Like this how this essay came to life, you know? There is, there is someone behind it, and you can, with, uh, with time and experience, you can know that if the essay comes from this person or not. Like, you can at least compare the level, the level of thinking, the level of ideas, but also language, you know? Like, good writer, very good writer, but you have a decent English in comparison. Like, even if you don't speak as beautiful as you write, but you have, um, you must have a solid English. You know what I mean? Yeah, you must be able to convey the ideas. Yeah. So, yeah. that's totally right. You know, I always uh, feel uh, like I always, I don't know what to tell people about advice regarding an interview because always the way I do it is very different. Mm. I just try to uh, get myself very excited about what I'm going to say. I think about it and then I'm like, I'm gonna step there and just gonna talk, 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 talk. And, and I think I did that when, uh, during the Susie interview at the embassy where like, you asked me about, uh, it's mm -hmm. like, I didn't feel that I was stressed. I actually wanted you to ask me more because I felt that what I'm going to say is very, something very important and I think each one of you <laughs> must know. Yeah. And, so, and so after like 15 minutes, I remember, I think it was Leah who said, like, do you have anything else like you want That's to That's the last question, yeah. usually, we used to ask. And at that moment, in my mind, I was like, yeah, there are many things I want to say. But at the same time, I don't want to take time, I don't want to take time from people. And so I was like, um, no, that's not okay. really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you're so excited, when you're, when you're so passionate about what you're saying, um, I think like that passion will overcome everything else, like all the stress. Like you really don't care where you are because you're, you really want to say those things. You really want to answer those questions. But my advice would be don't overwhelm your panel. Like don't, um, don't go beyond what you were asked to mm. because it may, yeah, because it may like not embarrass them, but it may disturb them because they have like... Something specific they're looking for. First, but second, they also have their daily agenda and they don't want you to mess up their agenda. So mm -hmm. like their schedule, I mean, you know, not agenda, but their schedule. And uh, I mean like you should, uh, you should stay concise and precise in whether interviews, in essays, whatever, just address what you were asked to that's it yeah yeah that's a very important point for mm. sure yeah um i read in one of your posts that you had COVID 19. i did i did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you tell us about the experience <laughs> oh my god um, how did you how did you how do you think you got you got it so um could be anywhere could be anywhere because I was going out, um, I went to work, um, I met up with friends, but I can tell you how I discovered. <laughs> I can tell you how I discovered. 
So what happened is um, I went to uh, my uh, best friend's house for lunch. Um, I think it was Friday, June 13, I believe, or 12. And a um, few days later, she told me that um, her husband's friend or colleague was tested positive and her husband is going to test. So her husband tested and um, he was in the first place positive, but apparently a fake positive. He ended, um, he ended up being negative and um, I tested myself because she said, um, you guys, we were two, uh, two friends at that place. So we tested, my other friend was um, negative and I was positive. And uh, so from there, I stayed at home for the quarantine. I took medicine. I took medicine for um, 10 days. And then I was completely isolated uh, with my grandma. My grandma literally, literally was fighting uh, me because she didn't want to leave the house. She's like, no, I'm not going anywhere, you know? Because she's 80 and I was yeah, afraid for her. Yeah, very you know? dangerous. And she's like, listen, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> like, deal with it. <laughs> I'm staying here. So, uh, so I stayed in my room and um, it was actually manageable. I stayed in my room. Um, my The door was completely locked all day. Um, if I leave the room to use the restroom or whatsoever, so I wear a mask and I um, sanitize my hands and I go out, use whatever I use and then uh, clean after me, you know like uh, clean everything after me and go back to my room, eat in my room. And I was, um, and I was leaving, um, sorry, I was going out of the house every day at six, I would take my car, like go straight to my car with my mask, take my car, have a good drive, go by the beach, probably walk and come back home um, right before the lockdown. So um, it was a terrible experience, psychologically. Psychologically, very, very heavy experience. But uh, physically, thanks to God, I had nothing. I had no symptoms. I was asymptomatic all the time. So what, the, what was the psychological about? So the psychological was about first um, rejection. Uh, you feel, actually you reject yourself as a person because you do not accept it. You are like, it happened only to the others, you know? So you do not accept yourself. Um, I rejected it, but you also feel rejected because even in my neighborhood, like I would, I would see, I would see like people looking at me because because they knew, you know, like I didn't want to hide it. I wanted to protect people, and I didn't want to hide it. And there is no reason to hide it. It's better to tell people so that they take, you know, like. Um, measures that don't, yeah. don't come to you. Yeah, they take measures, but um, there were people like who used to call me like uh, to call me from the window I would go out and talk to them like from a distance and they they didn't want me to stay isolated you know like yeah. in my neighborhood but uh, but it's very hard in term of uh, I'm a hyperactive person so I'm someone who is like all the time doing something um, all the time it's whether going out see friends like I'm not doing well if I'm doing nothing and just staying like that, you know? Like mm -hmm. I always like to do something. And the fact, um, you know, believe it or not, I did not maybe watch 
an entire season on Netflix. Like locked down all the time, all the time on my phone. I did not do like the stereotypes of watch TV yeah, like and 24/7. read books. I did not do <laughs> all this. I was all the time on my phone, um, reading stuff, talking to people. Um, but uh, yeah, so rejection, uh, rejection of uh, oneself, but also the other's rejection. And you feel like you're a danger for people and people won't like uh, get, get be close to you. Yeah, get to you anymore. Like it's, it's over. And um, also the fact that um, you may, um, you may uh, spread it to other people. That's also psychologically, um, psychologically heavy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I bet so. Yeah, and um, have no life anymore, you know, like just staying at home, waiting for uh, 14 days, counting the days, counting the hours. It was not easy. Was it a relief for you when all this is, was over? Oh my God. I think I went outside without a mask even. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing at last. Man, it was, it was something else. Um, it was very hard. It was very hard, but also, um, also, um, I should say that I found myself with myself. So um, all like the pending issues, all um, things that I wanted to fix, all problems that I used to uh, let procrastinate and let for tomorrow, I was actually facing those. You know, mm -hmm. so that was also that was also um, hard. But it was a good thing. It was a very good thing. And this did not start um, with my infection, but actually started since the lockdown, you know? Mm. Since the lockdown, um, I totally was uh, me, myself, and I. And um, I think today I would say that was a blessing or a good opportunity for me to look into issues that I was, um, that I was pushing like for tomorrow every day, you know? Right, yeah. 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 Totally understand what you're saying. Well, glad you're doing okay. Thank you. Thank All you. right, Hamdi, thank you so much for coming to our podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having right. me. Cool. <sighs>